1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. I am your host, Walt, and I am joined by my co-host, Iceman from Central Florida. Dude, deer season is here. Now, it's not really here for you, but next weekend it'll be here for you. Yes, it will be. At the time we release this podcast, deer season will have started for me. You are. That's it. That, that, yeah. I'm chopping at the bits, man. Can't uh, wait to get out. Uh, right now, I, I can honestly say I really don't necessarily have a target deer or anything like that in mind. It's going to be some uh, kind of some old school hunting and uh, checking out some new areas. But you are hunting in less than what, a day here? 24 hours, man. 24 hours. I'm, I am, uh, dude, chomping at the bit. I am so unprepared. I've got one day, seven hours, 43 minutes, and nine seconds as of the time we were recording this. Um, I, I, I just cannot wait to get out there, dude. I'm going to go hunt some Georgia public land and, uh, check some trail cameras. I'm going to make a whole day affair out of it, the, the opening day. And I've got one simple goal, Chase. It's, it's a real simple goal. I have never, ever, killed a deer on opening day and if i can go out there put in a day's worth of effort and kill any legal deer dude i might as well have killed the four deer you killed last year that would that will <laughs> that that will sit atop uh the the accomplishments of my deer hunting career yeah man that's a good goal uh, i know it's kind of i know everybody kind of dreams about that killing a deer on uh opening day and luckily in Florida, even if you kill a deer on opening day, you still have four tags left, unlike That's some it. other states. So Eleven in Georgia. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so you could technically kill a deer opening day in Georgia and yeah. opening day in Florida, man. So yeah. that's that's, uh, that's going to be awesome. And I can't wait to get that text, um, kind of like I did last year, where it's just like, dude, dude. Dude, <laughs> with nothing really behind it, I'll just assume that you have killed something and uh, yeah. <laughs> wait for the story. <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, this is a long episode today, so I'm going to keep my babbling to a minimum. We will recap uh, opening weekend for both of us on coming podcasts. So uh, tonight's episode's Robert Doohan, Um 
and we are tackling a topic that has been listener requested. Uh, the, the topic today is dog hunting uh, and, and the conflicts surrounding dog hunting and trying to clarify some things about dog hunting. And, and I met Robert. He was generous enough to reach out last year and help me start to break apart some of this public land here. He's helped me shorten the learning curve, and he's an awesome fella. He, he both still hunts and dog hunts, and I couldn't think of a better person to have on the podcast to kind of break down the importance not only of dog hunting on the landscape, but just knocking down some of those barriers about what it is to do, what, you know, what goes into a hunt. Yeah, Robert did a, a great job. Uh, I can say he kind of opened my eyes a little bit to uh, dog hunting. Uh, maybe my perception of what I thought dog hunting was. Uh, I've never been dog hunting myself. I know people that have done it, but I've never really broke down uh, how they do it. And it sounds like he has a, uh, a unique approach uh, in his dog hunting. And there's a lot of scouting and boots on the ground and a lot of things similar to uh, still hunting uh, that we do in our, in our scouting process. But he's just using dogs during uh, that time of year. It's an interesting dialogue. I always like it when the guest does the majority of the talking. And you can just tell this is something that he has has been on his mind. Um, he is amply aware of the issues on both sides. Spoiler alert, we do not come to a conclusion on how to solve it. But the purposes of this conversation was not to do so. I wasn't foolish enough to, not, to think that we would solve this quote-unquote conflict on its own. But I just hope maybe this will change people's minds a little bit, open their eyes a little bit. And I'm proud to say right now, I'm going on a dog hunt with Robert. So I'm going to report back to you guys if it's uh, as cookie cutter as it seems or if the stereotypes hold true. And having talked to Robert, I really don't think, uh, I don't think any of the stereotypes are going to hold true. Yeah, uh, especially with him. I mean, he went into great detail on uh, yeah. dog hunting. I mean, it sounds like he has a, he's got a real passion for both dog hunting, still hunting. Uh, and he, he even mentioned that there was things that he learned dog hunting that he didn't necessarily learn still hunting that would help him with his still hunting. Uh, so I thought that was unique. And I think that people will just have a real, a much better understanding of, uh, at least on how he dog hunts, not necessarily how everybody dog hunts, but uh, I think that'll kind of open some people's eyes and, uh, and how he sees that um, dog hunters need still hunters. <laughs> um, and I thought that was kind of a unique take. I think it's going to be a great episode for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's let them get to it. Let's do it. All right, fellas. We have got a, a, a gentleman who has been generous to me in multiple ways. Uh, th this fellow has, has helped me with the learning curve here in Tallahassee when it comes to deer. And he's also been generous enough to, to, to volunteer, for a controversial topic um, this isn't you know super crazy but in our neck of the woods this tends to be a pretty hot uh, hot fireside chat topic that uh, gets under people's crawl and I, I, I gotta say dude uh, I appreciate you taking time out your evening but I gotta ask you why why'd you accept the invite really just to tell both sides of the story because I've been on as you'll find out I've been on both sides so from still hunting to dog hunting, it really, I used to hate it and not hate the people, but you know, there's their controversy there, like you said. So really just to give both sides a little insight into each other and the pros and cons of both. Right. Yeah. So, 
It, you know, I, I, there, I think there's only two reasons why somebody would, would accept to, to take this discussion piece. And the first would be, uh, you know, popularity, get out there and, you know, uh, make, make a name for themselves. But the second would be uh, to find some kind of some resolution or to try and help ease ease the pain of a situation. And, I, and I, I'm, con- I'm convinced the latter applies to you. And I appreciate you volunteering. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, a, a viewer or, I guess, listener uh, question, which is dog hunting versus still hunting, which in in parts of the deep south is is a very very um, popular way of going about deer hunting. If you're in the if you're listening from the Midwest or any of your northern states, you you may run hounds for uh, bear or 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 cougar perhaps, but down here we do it for deer. And there's going to be a lot of fun things discussed. And Robert is, I think, one of those guys that has the ability to bridge a gap on this topic. He, he does both. Um, we're going to introduce you, Robert, and, and kind of set the stage for why, uh, I mean, honestly, why you were the first person that popped to mind uh, when this was requested. So uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. How'd you get into hunting? What are you doing? Yeah, so I've always hunted ever since I was little. Dad hunted. Uh, mom hunted actually i started dog hunting in a sense i don't remember it but according to my parents i was in the dog woods in the truck you know at two three years old with my brother um i do remember bits and pieces of it but i don't really remember you know killing deer or anything when i was that little but i've always hunted so it's been fun i mean it is a passion it's an obsession if you ask my wife i mean our guest room bedroom right now is covered in camouflage my bow <laughs> the safe is open sighting and rifles <laughs> last week as much as i can so it's it's just a passion i mean if i had a a dream job i would be either work for tethered or something or work for midwest whitetail and be like the drake lambs of the world but that's not really in the deck of cards for me <laughs> so i'm a, a weekend warrior and just Love to spend time in the woods and really the camaraderie of hunting. So I've always done it. Um, I love fishing. So if it's not hunting season, I'm fishing either offshore. Don't do too much inshore, but love to fish, love to be outside. God's creation, really. And it sounds, I don't know if it's cliche, but you're just closer to closer to heaven and closer to God. And in my eyes or whatever, whatever, closer to peace. In a sense, it doesn't really matter religion, but it's just the, the break from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Sure, so, sure. So that's why I hunt. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, one of the ways we met was you volunteered to take me out in some public land and show me some some different spots, and um, you know we got to talking, dude. I think we sat in that truck while it was raining for like a solid. It had to have been an hour and a half, man. Um, yeah. And, and and we talked a lot about dog hunting and. Um, I, I come from a, a background that has got probably familiar roots for a lot of people who are listening right now, which is uh, my past experiences have not all been warm and fuzzy. I know that uh, other people have had opposite experiences, and I know that uh, dog hunters themselves uh, don't always feel too too favorably about deer, uh, you know, still hunters as well. So this is this is going to be a really difficult topic to navigate but i think it's got the potential to really do some good in the community and also just be entertaining for people right i mean if you're listening from a different part of the country this is going to be interesting because i think there are things that are going to come of this that uh 
remove the dog hunting component of it, you could probably apply it to uh, other divides in the hunting industry. So uh, let, let's kind of jump into this, um, but let's set the stage for what dog hunting is, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there. Um, why why is dog hunting something that is is heavily relied upon in, in Florida and in parts of the Deep South? So I guess my answer, this may answer your question, may not answer your question. I don't know if it's necessarily relied upon for, let's say, a hunting method. And then, I guess the first thing, back up just a little bit, the first thing I would, I will say, and, you know, I argued with my buddy about this. When I was a steel hunter, I was against dog hunting. I said, we need to get rid of it, cut it down, just be done with it. And the first thing he told me, and I guess I didn't really realize it until I dog hunted, is it's not dog hunting season, right? It's rifle season. Like, there is no specific, in the state of Florida now, it may be different in other states, I'm not sure. Um, but we get to dog hunt or hunt with dogs during rifle season. So, for instance, there is no distinguishing factor in the state of when I can hunt with a dog and when you can hunt with a rifle, right? They're one and the same here um, for most parts. Now, some management areas are managed a little different, but mm-hmm. the big ones here, Ocala and Apalachicola. It's the same thing. Taytail. Uh, there is no difference to say. So I think the method of using dogs compared to a still hunt method is the camaraderie for me personally. Um, I would ask any still hunter what's their favorite part of hunting. And I guess I'll, I'll pose that question to you. What's your, if you could pick one thing, I mean, what, what, what's your favorite part about still hunting? Besides being in the woods, right? Because we're in the woods for both. So distinguishing factors, I guess. What What's your favorite part about still hunting? I think, think? for me, uh, and Chase, your answer may be different. For me, it's 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 trying to not be noticed by the wildlife. Go, you know, the 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 pursuit of of entering and exiting the the woods in a fashion that you know the world goes on around me without any awareness that I'm there. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I see that from. And sorry if you got to answer Chase. Go ahead. I mean, to cut you off. <laughs> oh no, you're fine. Uh, to me, it's all a kind of about the, uh, the the chess match between me and the deer. Um, I enjoy a lot of times going after specific deer, so it's all about just how can I figure out how to uh, get in that deer's path um, in daylight. So that's what I enjoy most about uh, going out in the woods. Is it's kind of a it's me and the deer. Okay. I got it. Um, maybe not the answer I was expecting, but when I say this, you may say, oh, well, that's fun too. I think a lot of people enjoy the person-to-person interaction or the bond with hunting. So if you go to a hunting camp, right, or if you go to an out-of-state hunt, you're usually not by yourself. You have someone to hunt with. Um, and even like you talked about earlier, we sit in the truck and talk for an hour and a half. Right. Well, when you're still hunting, right, you're sitting in a tree stand by yourself. Don't get me wrong. It is 100% enjoyable, right? Mm-hmm. You're dog hunting. It's like a team effort. You always have the camaraderie, the fun, the shenanigans. It's more along the lines of duck hunting, right? What's the best part? Some of the best parts about duck hunting is sitting in the blind and goofing off with your best friends. Absolutely. Your best bud. So dog hunting kind of merges the two. When I, and when I tell people that, they're like, no, no, it doesn't do that. But it really does. You know, you pull up on a track or um, you're scouting or you're, you're looking for a track. And, you know, you meet up there as the group before before daylight. We're all there sitting there talking, you know, shooting the bull. 
and it really brings back, you know, the before the cell phones and the Facebook and all this stuff. You really had to talk. You, you got to talk to somebody. It's just you in the woods. You don't really. We don't have cell phone service in most of the parts, as you know, um, yep. of the fort. So you can't be sitting there on your cell phone. You got to talk to your best friends and, you know, make jokes. And I think that's the part that really got me for dog hunting. We were sitting there one morning. Me and my buddies were duck hunting, actually, in the forest. And after the hunt, we shot, like, two wood ducks. Terrible. Six guys, two wood ducks. And um, we're sitting there, you know, we're, like, just talking. We talked for an hour, just like me and you did that day. And we're Mm -hmm. like, hey, we need to go back to dog hunting. We'd get to do this and run deer. It'd be so much fun. (laughs) Sure enough, (laughs) next year, we're dog hunting. Um, It was just the camaraderie. camaraderie. You know, it's always the camp life. We... You know, the best part about going out of town for me, one of the best parts, I mean, when we go to Kentucky, I go to Kentucky every year um, to hunt out of state for a week. This year, unfortunately, I probably won't get to go due to school, but is the camp. You know, you get back, you get to tell the stories. Oh, man, you should have seen this deer, even a doe. I mean, it's just the little stories. And with dog hunting, you always have that. After the race, everyone meets back up. So, you know, you tell the story. So, it's like an all-day event instead of still hunting. You know, you hunt all day like when I'm in Kentucky or even sometimes before you sit all day and you don't really get to talk to anybody until you get back. Well, now you get that all day and you get to include more people uh, for dog hunting. So as most people don't know, I know Walt knows, I'm not sure if Chase knows, but I have two kids. So that's kind of where I, another reason I started dog hunting. Um, They get to go. I can't really take them with me to the tree stand. Uh, They're only two and four. Now, don't get me wrong. I've sat in a box stand with one of them, not the other one, but, um, but it's not that easy to go undetected um, by a mature animal when you can kind of get away with more dog hunting. Not saying you can get away with everything. It's not like people think. Um, you still have to be quiet and all that such. Um, but it's just the, the person aspect of dog hunting that I think a lot of people don't think about and why it's so important to people. And it keeps people involved. And I think that's important for hunting as a whole is to keep as many people involved and to get as many people involved as possible. Because if not, we're going to lose these rights. You know, mm-hmm. people call us crazy, but you can't bear hunt in Florida. And when my dad was, you know, was around, you could you could do all that. So let, let's kind of break down some of, of the barrier knowledge. Uh, let, let's break down some of the, the components of, the, of, of a dog hunt. Because you said you have to be quiet. You have to, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's tactics that go into into it, and and admittedly, when I think dog hunting, I don't think quiet, right? I mean, if if if, if you're if you ever been a steel hunter and and the dog hunters start going, the woods are not quiet per se. Once that dog gets on something, um, so let's kind of set the stage here for 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 how how do you hunt with dogs? What is dog hunting? Yeah. I, I mean. You're not just, you know, letting your 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 your, your lab run around the woods. There's there's tactics to it. So kind of break down a little bit of what, of what goes on. Yeah. So just like Chase said, um, his favorite part of still hunting still applies 100% to dog hunting. Um, it's a chess match. You can target specific deer. Uh, we target specific deer all the time. So to set the stage on how it kind of works, we do all the same scouting that a still hunter does. I when I scout preseason i haven't done much this year but even in season i do it the exact same way for dog hunting as i do still hunting you still have to find the deer right it's not like a like a drive let's say 
up north through a block where, you know, you line everyone up and you just kind of walk through the block. It's not how it specifically works. Deer, dogs are using this, the scent. So unless you have some type of scent on the ground or you're going to cast them in there, um, it could be a few hours before they pick up a track, right? And you don't want to sit around four, five, six hours just waiting on your dogs to jump, as we would say. And that's when they, you know, jump up a deer and chase it. Um, you you want to be efficient and productive, just like you do still hunting. You don't want to just go randomly sit in a tree and hope a deer walks by. So you still have to scout. We still look for scrapes. Um, I find a ton of scrapes. I think I've learned more dog hunting than I ever have still hunting um, about the way deer behave and about the way, you know, they, they run through the woods and follow these transition lines and such. Um, so it's, it's set up exactly the same way. I still have to do all of the legwork that a still hunter has to do, if not more in a sense, being on both sides, you know, still hunting. I just scout and set cameras, right? I mean, that's what most people do. You find your target animal and then you go after that target animal. Well, for dog hunting, you do the same thing, except now you, instead of just getting yourself ready, you've got a pack of dogs to get ready. Make sure you have a team, right? Because this is nearly impossible to do by yourself. Um, and I can get into that in a second, but you, you've got to keep your dogs year round. I mean, most people don't get rid of them. Like you read on um, some of these articles, all oh, found lost dog in the woods and, and so on. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. There's some bad apples in the bunch, but there's bad apples in the still hunter bunch as well. I mean, I could say both. Um, but most of the time you got to keep your dogs fed and year round trained. You can't just let them sit there all summer. Um, you got to let them run, keep them exercised. And then on top of that, now you still have to scout, find the deer. Um, and again, once you learn the woods, it's just like still hunting. You'll have your favorite spots. You know where deer are going to be. Uh, you know where they're not going to be. Um, but you still run cameras. You know, I get up 3 a.m. some mornings. I'll put both kids in the truck. And I will check 10 cameras before daylight. Mm. And it takes a long time. <laughs> so you got to go out, pull your card, see if you got a deer. If you got a deer, great. If you don't, on to the next camera. Um, while you're doing all that, you're looking for tracks in the road. Um, some people say they can tell the difference. I don't know if you can necessarily tell the difference between a buck and a doe track. But you look for tracks. On top of that, the same as the still hunters, you're competing with other hunters. Um, so funny thing, you'll stomp the track out. You don't want anyone else to see it. So you walk <laughs> over, um, kind of like why you don't use ribbon tape anymore when you're still hunting, right? You don't want someone to know you're there. Uh, or you don't want someone to know there's a, a decent animal in the area. Um, so I'm still checking those cameras every single morning. Um, it's not every single morning, but most mornings you're checking the cameras. Um, you're tracking the roads. You got a light. You're looking on the roads for tracks. Um, you'll get out and walk in the dark sometimes with a headlamp. Oh, I know they crossed down here on this hill. There's no road down there. But you know there's a good trail down there, so you'll walk down there and see if there's some fresh tracks. Um, same with scrapes. I'll go in in the mornings and check the scrapes. You know, so it's still that chess match aspect, right? Mm -hmm. uh, with the cameras, it has made it a lot easier, just like I think it has with still hunting. Um, so we, I mean, we get bucks on camera, and we target those bucks. Um, we get a Last year, we had a couple blocks that had some really nice eight-pointers. I sent a couple of them to you, mm -hmm. and we'll go after that specific deer. Um, I think one other, like, hurdle that you have with dog hunting that still hunters also don't necessarily have 
is you have to compete with other deer. And then what I mean by that is if a buck comes through your camera, let's say at three or four o'clock in the morning, and then four does or even one doe comes in at six o'clock right before daylight, chances are dogs are going to take that doe track. It's fresher. Um, so now you've, you've kind of got to still scout and look and see by yourself because the dog really isn't going to know where do you think the buck went and where do you think the doe went? If they took the exact same path, then you just kind of run it until the dogs figure it out. But more times than not, you can figure out which way the, the buck went compared to the doe. And again, I've just learned from the way the dogs run, you know, and it makes sense when you think about it, but even still hunting the buck's usually going to go to more cover. So if you got more cover around, of course, you're going to start walking that way and see if you can pick up his track. Or um, if you got a creek around, you're going to go to the next, to your creek crossing and look and see. Um, so it's still that chess game. And then once the deer's jumped, it's not particularly easy. Oh, he's jumped. He's dead, right? It's, it's not that easy. Uh, you would think, and most people probably think, oh, once they jump a deer, they're going to kill it. It's done. The dogs are never going to lose it. Well, that's not the case. I've had, I've seen bucks lay down in the middle of a swamp, in the middle of the water. They'll stop and won't move. And most people would probably say you're crazy, but I'm telling any dog hunter will tell you that they will run to a pond, they will run to a creek, they will run through any body of water, um, because I, they're smart enough to know when they get to that water, the dogs lose them. I mean, the dogs can't smell in water, right? So the dogs will break down. And what I mean by that is they don't know where the ear went, so they just start doing circles, right? They'll stop barking. They usually only bark when, um, if you got a trail dog, so there's different criteria of a dog as well. Trail dog, of course, is going to be like your um, blood dog. Is most. It's not really a blood dog, but they, they can smell the, the scent better than they're more of a cold nosed dog than, you know, just your pack dog who's going to follow your main dog and just bark. Um, of course, all dogs are going to smell, but you're going to have one or two main dogs that are going to do most of your work. And then the others are just there for support. And when they break down, they can circle for hours, you know, and they'll lose the deer. The deer will be gone. They'll, the buck will sneak out the back. Um, we see that all the time. They'll jump a buck where he crossed the road and he'll come back on his same track. Um, they backtrack themselves um, just to get away. And I think I think you only see that more in the dog hunting states. I mean, I think the deer have learned they're going to adapt to their situation. I know I'm going on and on here. You're so fine. Stop me, but they, they break down. So once they jump, it's not that easy. So most of the time they're going to run to some water if there's some water there. Um, they'll backtrack themselves. I've seen that. I've seen, um, again, I don't know if it's, if the deer is actually smart enough to do this, we all know they're smart, but I've seen a buck run across the road and no one get a shot at it. And next thing you know, it comes out the other side with four does. Um, did he run to the does on purpose to try to get the dogs off of him? I'm not sure. Um, but we see that all the time. You would be surprised how many times a buck will go in one block because you see him cross the road. Of course, you weren't ready. You didn't think he was coming yet. Um, and then out the other side, he'll come out 100 yards from a group of does. Well, your dogs might be on either or. Uh, they'll split sometimes. You'll have two or three dogs go one way and two or three dogs go the other way. Uh, so it's not necessarily easy now to keep up with them if you're 
you know, you got four people in a crew, five people in a, in a crew that are running these dogs. Um, so it's a lot harder than people think, even once the deer has jumped. Um, and then another thing, like I said earlier, be quiet. So a lot of people think the dogs are right behind the deer. Well, again, that's not the case either. Deer is a lot faster than dogs, especially if it gets into some, into some thick stuff um, or water. The deer is going to be way, way ahead of them dogs. So you've got to be in the right spot. You've got to know where that deer is going to cross before the deer does, if that makes sense. When you, when you drop dogs in a block, everyone's usually on a crossing. So you're going to know the... the I guess it's not important, but the uh, the most used crossings to say, you're going to know, oh, they love to cross this road right here. They love to cross the creek down here. You'll send someone in there on foot uh, to get at a creek crossing or at a at another road crossing because, you know, we can't drive all the roads in the forest. Huh. Um, so you'll, you'll send someone in there on foot to just stand there, and hopefully it'll run to them. It may or may not, but you're not sure. So you kind of got to be on your toes and already know where they're going to cross. And with that said, if the deer is a thousand yards in front of the dog, because you know some of these blocks are huge, you've got to be quiet. He can, he's listening. Um, just like he can hear the dogs behind him, that's kind of a good thing. He knows where that danger is. He can hear it. So he's still listening and he's still smelling as he's running through the through the forest. I mean, all of his senses just don't go out the window. So you still got to stand there and be quiet. And I've many many a times. And again, a lot of people don't know this. You'll turn a deer. You will, if you're driving down the road and he's a lot closer to the road than you think, he'll turn around and go the other way. So you've now scared him off because he heard your truck or you made some noise and he turns around. Um, and same thing with smell. I don't know if I've never really paid attention to scent. Uh, some people do claim that they'll only run into the wind. Um, they'll line up the upside wind of a block. So they'll drop the dogs on the, I guess it would be upland side, and they'll only run into the wind, so you'd be on the downwind side, whatever it is. <laughs> um, but they'll only run into the wind so they can smell what's in front of them, and then they know the dogs are behind them. Uh, I don't always, I personally don't see that's the case. I do see that's the case sometimes, but not always. But So you still have to be on top of your game. If you're dog hunting, you're never going to get rid of the smell, right? you got your truck, you've got the other dogs. And so on. So scent, that's why I said scent's not a huge deal. But some people do um, play in that way, that they're going to run this crossing because of the way the wind's blowing today. Um, and it makes perfect sense, even when you think of beast tactics, right? So, because I'm a steel hunter as well, and I do follow, you know, the beast, the hunting beast and all that. When he's in his bed, because most of the time he's going to be in his bed when you jump him, he's going to have an escape route for that wind. So if you know which way he's going to go, out of that wind or out of that bed because of the wind, again, you're already one step up. So the chest match is still there with all the whole process. Um, and I, I don't think people see that. I didn't see that before I started dog hunting in my later, I mean, I'm not that old, but in my later years where <laughs> I actually understand hunting and everything that's going on, right? I mean, like, no, nah, they just they just run up and down the roads. The trucks are so loud. They're scaring all the deer. The dogs are... They're not annoying. I mean, I like listening to them. They sound pretty in the morning or whatever. Um, and I think most hunters would agree that the dogs do sound. I mean, it's, it's, it's different to listen to it, you know, howl across the, I mean, if you ever coon hunt, I coon hunted a little bit with dogs before this in high school, we used to go to competitions. I showed 
I showed walkers and stuff. Um, got first place a couple times. And if, if there's any coon hunters that listen, I've striked an owl. So if they know what that means. Um, so I've done it all when it comes to coon hunting. But so, but it's, it's just special to listen to them out there in the woods. You know, it's like your best friend. Um, most people that have a dog will tell you it's part of the family. And so are all these dogs. Um, me and my brother have 16 at the house. So we do have quite a few and all of them get their special treatments. So let's talk, let's talk about the dogs real quick though, because one of the things I think people don't realize is how you guys go about keeping up with the dogs. It's not just, it's not just, I hear them barking off in the distance. Cause like you said, they're not always barking. What there's an added expense to how you guys go about tracking all your animals as well. I think people need to, to, to kind of know about that. Yeah, so um, old school, we call it beep beep. Um, it's not allowed actually in Florida anymore. Um, used to just be like my, again, when I was doing it when I was younger, I don't remember, but I know how it works, is you had to listen to them. If a plane flew over, you didn't know where they were. It didn't matter if they were barking or not. You used to have to tell people to be quiet on the radio. Um, <laughs> you know, we all have VHF, and we still tell people to be quiet. If you know the deer's coming to you, we tell them, you know, keep your mouth shut. Deer's coming. Don't scare them off because I'm not getting down off the truck to turn my radio down if you forgot to turn it down. Most of the time, people will turn it off because um, if they hear that voice, that deer turn around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so now, even in the state of Florida, again, I'm not sure about other states because I think there's still 10 or 11 that still allow dog hunting down here. Um, but in Florida now, this year, you have to have a tracking collar, GPS-enabled tracking collar. So we all have a handheld GPS or uh, some type of pad, like an iPad, mounted in the truck to track them uh, with GPS collars. Um, it is rather expensive, but it's not terrible. I guess it is terrible. If, if, for some people, it is terrible. It is a huge expense. Um, a system just depends, but a system in one collar is about $700, $800, depending on what system you get. God, I know it's that Average. much. Yeah, yeah, for one handheld and one collar. Um, each additional collar, again, depending on which features you want, um, will run you 250 to 300 Wow. So and every every dog has to have a collar. Um, and then, like I said, this year everyone has to go to GPS. A lot of people already have um, went to GPS, but some people, some of the older, older fellas will still run the Beep Beep system, so they had to listen um they only knew where their dogs were because they were barking if they weren't barking they didn't know where they were they mm-hmm. just tell you they're out there in that block um but right now i can i mean i can usually tell you how far the dog is which direction exactly where they're on the map um and it has made dog hunting a little easier right because now i can mark those crossings i can see mm-hmm. in the middle of a block he always crosses right here and i think that's where it's actually taught me a lot is you know what bodies of water and I've listened, I mean, I've, most people know this, but I already knew this, and I, I guess I just didn't use it that much, but bodies of water are a huge funnel, and even for dog hunters, um, a creek crossing or a pond, you know, they, they're not going to run through the pond, they're usually going to run around the pond, and I, I don't think a lot of people realize that, and you still have to scout and account for that, whether you're still hunting or dog hunting, um, and it just shows you the trails you'll get. I mean, deer in the same block will run the same trail every time. And I think that GPS really helps show you that. 
Mm -hmm. Um, Next year, though, for Florida, I think it's 2021 and 2022 season, you actually have to have a training system as well on your dogs. So you have to be able to um, either shock. I think you have to be able to shock the, the dog. And the reason being is being on private property. So there were some complaints. Everyone gets these complaints. But when it comes to dog hunting, that the dogs will go on private property. So you have to be able to shock the dogs so that they won't, or so you can at least try to stop them before they get on private property and train your dog. So that is another added expense to a lot of people. Uh, the first systems that came out, they didn't shock. It was simply GPS. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people run that system. So there's going to be a lot of people that have to upgrade. And consequently, uh, cons- yeah, consequently, I do think a lot of people, not a lot, but quite a few will lose dog hunting as an interest because of what it will cost them to upgrade systems now in the state of Florida. Again, all the other states might already have this mandate. I'm not sure. Uh, but in the state of Florida, there are a lot of people that run the system without um, shocking capabilities or training capabilities, as they will call it. And it's going to be a huge cost burden to some of these people um, to upgrade their systems for their for their dogs. I mean, especially if there's someone like us has 16 dogs, uh, it's $3,000, $3,000. It's $300 a collar, so just to get the collar, um, just the collars alone would be super expensive Sure. To, to upgrade that. So they have made it a little harder for people to get in and stay in, um, but I mean, once you make the expense, you kind of have it. Dogman is not cheap. Some people think it's like the cheaper way of hunting. It is not cheap at all. <laughs> I mean, right. think about it, they're out there beating up a truck, uh, the, the expenses involved gas i mean i spend way more gas than i do still hunting um now not all people i know some people that'll drive two hours or have to drive two hours to their still hunt spot so i mean there's spend way more than me in gas um and they got you know a thousand dollar bow if they can afford it and stuff but i think sometimes i mean even myself way when way back when and maybe it was just me but it was oh well that's the easy way out and the, the cheap way to hunt but it's not really um the more i'm involved in it so Chase, unless you got a question, I want, I want to kind of move into some of the conflict. Uh, not, not a question, more like a, just kind of a comment is that it sounds like you need to have a good team when you're picking or who you're going to dog hunt with. Is that the case? Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think teams are more just friend groups, right? Um, again, it's just me, my brother, my best friend and my dad. Most of the time when I go, um, and then my, one of my brother's friends most of the time. And that makes up our group. Um, I, and some people switch in and out. And, again, we have getting into the conflict. There's conflict just like still hunters have. Oh, that's my deer. Dog hunters are the same way. Um, and you'll even see that between still hunters and dog hunters. But, um, but yeah, you got to have a team you're tight with. Um, of, course, of course, if you got a best hunting buddy, uh, you don't – go tell them all your great spots so you gotta trust your team um just like still hunting but yeah you gotta have a good team you gotta be able to communicate well hey i'm going here um because again if they start cutting you off or they come by you when the deer's coming by they'll scare it so teamwork is a huge huge deal in that aspect right yeah i was just wondering is that you probably wanted to have people who uh kind of knew what they were doing while they were out there, because like I said, it does sound a lot more tactical than maybe I even considered. 
thinking about it, but I also think that you're more tactical oriented, but I also think there's just people that drop dogs into the woods and say whatever deer that they uh, get, they get. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's the same way. Um, if we don't have, it's just to back up a little bit to answer that question. If I don't have a good picture or, you know, I'm, I'm not finding a scrape that's cleaned out. I'll go to a block that I know they're deer in and just drop the dogs. Um, so, I mean, that does happen. I mean, that, that is a way of, of doing it, but you're still using that knowledge of, I know there's deer in this block. I know I don't have a picture of him. Hey, he didn't come by the camera. He didn't clean the scrapes out. But I know there should be a good one in here. You know, it's a good, there's a good creek crossing down there. There's a good hardwood bottom or swamp down in there that usually holds some deer. Maybe nobody's ran it today or maybe nobody's run it the last couple days. So there should be some deer in there. So, I mean, you still do that. I mean, we call it casting. You still go out there and just cast them um, or walk them in. You know, you'll, you'll get one guy or, someone in the group will just walk in there with the dogs, you know, you whistle and you're kind of looking and scouting at the same time to see if maybe there's a new scrape you hadn't picked up or, um, I don't know anybody that just goes out there and says, Oh, we're just going to run right here today for the heck of it. Right. Uh, they have some sort of knowledge that there's going to be deer there. They're not, they don't want to waste their time. Just like, I mean, a steel hunter, when I was a steel hunter, I'm, I don't say, Oh, I'm just going to go hunt this block. I've done something, um, to prepare, I mean, even if it was just looking at a map, oh, there's a there's a good thicket in here. I'm just going to go sit in this block. But I still took the time to say, to e-scout it or something. Maybe there's some out there. I don't know anybody that dog hunts or still hunts that just says, oh, I'm just going to go sit in this pine tree or I'm just going to go drop the dogs right here today without any prior knowledge, if that, if that makes sense. I mean, there's always some sort of knowledge or some sort of information that's going to point me in a direction. Right. Well, to to what I'm thinking is, is you're talking about running a mature buck. Now, how long can you run those woods before that buck moves? Or does he just stay in those woods and you're constantly after him for the season? Well, it depends. So, for example, we had a buck this year showed up in a block. And he was, a, I mean, a really nice eight-pointer. We... Again, there were so many deer in this block, and a lot of people think, oh, well, the deer are just gone because you, you ran the dogs ran through there, run all the deer out. Well, that's not the case. Um, I've never seen a block just go completely empty because of dog hunting, personally. Now, I can see where it happened maybe on some small blocks or something, but you could, I'll get him on camera, and I'll run that block, let's say, on Saturday. Saturday night, he'll be back in that block. So they stay there. I mean, I don't always know it's going to be a mature deer, right? I can run it and say, oh, well, it's a spike or a doe. I don't always know what we're running until it crosses the road or until someone sees it. Um, so even if I did have a mature buck on camera, you can't just assume, oh, he's going to run out the other side. Um, they could have got on a different track, again, that one didn't walk by your camera. To answer that question, you can hunt a deer all season long. Will he stay in the exact same spot? Probably not. Um, and more than likely, if he's being real active um in a spot he's probably going to get killed just like i mean if it was a still hunter and a deer is being super active in that spot i mean your odds are higher right mm -hmm. uh, and then again it just depends and this may sound weird it just depends on what block he's in there's some blocks and by block i mean a, a parcel of wood that's surrounded by roads or 
you know, just a parcel within the, the main hunting area or whatever. Um, some blocks are easier. I mean, there's, there's four roads all the way around it. It's perfect square or it doesn't have to be perfect square, but all the roads are maintained. They're not hard to get through or around and the blocks relatively a decent size, but not too big, not too small. If you're bucking that block, you're probably not going to make it through the season. Um, but if you're a buck in some of these other blocks, like that block I was just talking about was on the highway and people shy away from the highway, right? Cause you don't want your dogs to get hit. So, but we take measures to make sure they don't cross the highway. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I can hunt that eight pointer. I hunted him for three or four weeks and we actually ran him across the road. I shot at him three times. I missed clean miss all three shots. <laughs> um, it was about 70 yards. I'd, don't know how i missed he was not running fast when he hit the road at all he stopped and i missed him when he was standing there um no idea but next week someone else killed him but in that same block and we'd run him two miles from where we started right so they they always tend to have that home range and you can still they usually come pretty close back to where you started once you lose them and you can stay on that same deer and he'll show up on the same camera pretty much all season. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, I'm main, the main reason I'm asking you that is just because I'm trying to get uh, still hunters to not believe that they're blowing a deer out of the country whenever they bump them as well. It's just kind of a comparison. If you're in there weekend after weekend and that buck's still kind of staying in that core area, chances are, even if it's a hunter that blew the deer out, that, that deer's still going to stay in that core area. <laughs> So I was just trying to kind of relate it to that, trying to see uh, how you approach it, uh, dog hunting. Yeah, yeah, and that was one huge thing that I thought as a still hunter, like, oh, man, he busted me, he's gone forever. But dog hunting is not, that's kind of proved me wrong on that. Like I said, that eight-pointer showed up for weeks on the same camera. Now, it might be a day. I might not get a picture of him for one, two, three days, but he's always came back. I mean, he was always back in that block of some sort i know i had two cameras in that block and he was on one or the other for weeks uh same i had another a nine-pointer do the same thing in a different block um again we ran him i actually saw him i didn't shoot at him um because a little too far but i saw him come through some brush and again we run him so i know i've ran him at least one time and again he was back on that that same camera almost three quarters to I'd, I'd say pushing a mile where we think we lost him and he was back on that camera that night and I, I, I physically saw him. So again, just like the first one, I physically saw that eight pointer a mile and a half from where I had a picture of him. And again, they, they end up back on the same cameras. Um, now don't get me wrong. Sometimes, you know, if you run them and you'd be surprised, I've ran deer roughly. I mean, as the crow flies through the woods, a few miles, now, some, that deer don't usually make it all the way back to where he started. Um, some do, some don't. Um, like I said, I've seen a six-pointer. We ran one last year. Started My, my buddy actually lives um, close to there, so we started his closer to his house that day. And we ran this deer forever. Saw him multiple times. Couldn't get a shot. People probably think how you don't get a shot, but just like still hunting, you know. Um a little too far, something in the way, didn't have enough time. All those things still apply. And, again, he never came back. I got him on a different camera in a different block that I had a few miles away. 
he never came back to his home location. Um, and again, it could have been because maybe he was a little more immature. I'm not sure what the reasoning was, but they don't all always come back. But as a still hunter, if you were trying to relate that in my aspect, as a still hunter, you could probably hunt a location pretty hard in our location. Now the Midwest, I don't know if this would apply necessarily, uh, but maybe it does. Um, you can hunt a location pretty hard. And even if you scare him, he'll eventually make it back. It may be a while and he may go nocturnal. Cause I don't, again, and being a dog hunter, that's one thing I don't have to worry about is a deer being nocturnal. Um, but they usually make it back to their home range or core. Chase, that kind of speaks to, you know, the dialogue we had earlier about where I should be hunting. It, you know, to a certain extent. I mean, obviously, no one wants to try and, and bump a deer. But I think it's one of those things where if, you know, Robert can go in there with his hounds and, and, and hunt the same deer and a block of timber on and on and on, me walking through the woods isn't going to run that deer into the next county either. Yeah, no, and and he he's talking about running this deer miles right. with these dogs. Yeah, you, you bumping the deer from a smell ain't like you're running any miles That's from right. that location, more than likely. So I was just trying to compare. It. Sure, and he was talking about all the tactics and strategies how they kind of compare, and I was just comparing those two. Yeah. So, Robert, the purpose of this is to to obviously educate people about dog hunting. And to perhaps try and find uh, some better understanding. Um, there are a lot of conflicts between dog and still hunters. A lot of venom is the way I would describe it. I was trying to find a good way of doing it, but I don't think that there is one. I think there's a lot of, I mean, it, there's real hard feelings one way or the other. I don't think I, I meet too many people that are kind of on the fence. As a dog hunter, because it'd, be, it'd be way too easy for me just to talk as a still hunter, but as a dog hunter, what kind of environment do still hunters create for you in the woods? Me personally, I don't have a problem with them. Um, and I've actually ran into a, quite a few of them and they usually don't have a problem with me to say, um, I, I mean, there is definitely hostility, I guess. And that's a pretty, pretty hard word, but some people do come down to, you know, fist fights over it um i have never personally i've definitely heard of it but most of the time it's kind of like the bond or the brotherhood of hunting i don't i don't really have a problem when it's out there in the woods right mm -hmm. um you know some people on social media earlier this was a couple days ago i saw something about dog hunting and they were just i mean completely annihilating this guy and I don't know if that's necessarily the case when you're out in the woods. Um, if, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. I think most people kind of as a, up from the dog hunter's perspective, I, I look at the still hunters like, man, it kind of sucks. I don't want to ruin his hunt. And sometimes I don't know they're there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it'd be, it's too late. I've already got dogs on the ground that started, you know, a half mile down the block and now they're running by him. I mean, I had no idea he was there. Um, some, some people like it. They'll go in there on those crossings, still hunters, and they'll kill the deer right in front of your dogs. They don't care. And I don't care either. Um, now some crews do care and they get mad when they do that, but it's public land. Um, it's in most cases that we're talking about here, it's public land. So there is some hostility there. Again, I've never personally experienced that. 
Um, most of my experiences with still hunters, as me being a dog hunter, have been pretty positive. Um, there has been some times where I guess I would say they're like, what are you doing? And I tell them, and they're like, well, I'm hunting in here. I'm like, well, that's fine. I'll just I'll go down the road or whatever. Um, but most of the time, that's not the case as a dog hunter. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It's interesting that you have that experience because for me personally, it's been almost the exact opposite. I, I've only been hunting in Florida for a couple of years. Um, I never hunted on public land in Georgia that you could hunt dogs on. Um, but in Florida, there, when I've hunted on public lands, there has been a very clear frustration by the dog hunters that I've run into that I would you know, be attempting to hunt a block or go back into a parcel. Um, and I've had instances where people know I'm there. You hear, you overhear them having a conversation about whether or not to drop the dogs. And then in essence, they say F it and they just drop the dogs. And I've also had other instances. Chase is my witness. Uh, they wanted to drop dogs in the block we were in. And so as a result, they took their diesels and went all up and down the roads and cut donuts in the paths and continued to go up and down the roads uh, uh, that they weren't supposed to be on uh, as an attempt to make the place undesirable. Um, and, and it's hard for me as a still hunter to bridge that gap because here you've got, I just looked it up, Apalachicola is 581,000 acres, predominantly the majority of that is uh open to 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 dog hunting and it seems like there's a disconnect between how both parties should handle each other i mean a very clear disconnect and i'm curious you know i go in the woods what would your advice be to me i want to go hunt a block as a dog hunter do, do i just strike off and go or are you telling me just to strike off and go hunt it and and be that as it may or is there a process to going about it? I mean, how can we how can we make this to where it's not a frustrating thing for both parties? So, hundred year question, right? It is indeed dilemma. I mean, me personally, since I've been on both sides, if I'm still hunting, I don't necessarily want to still hunt where there's a high possibility that you're going to run dogs, right? Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't make it. Let's say it doesn't put the advantage in your favor that I'm about to run dogs in that block. So I see it from both sides, and I think that the the dilemma exists because dog hunting takes up so much area, right? So a still hunter in one hundred acre block, you could well, let's just go a little bigger than hundred acres. Let's just say two fifty, three hundred acre block. You could pack quite a few still hunters, right? You agree? Yeah. Oh yeah. You're not. You're getting one crew in there, just one. That's it. Um, you're not going to get multiple people, dog hunters in that block. You're going to get one crew. And I think that's where, what kind of causes this dilemma is you have to have a lot more space and you don't have to have a lot more space. The deer just run further. Um, it's not like I'm telling them to run into your stand or I'm telling the dogs to run to you. Um, so I don't, I think that's where some people think, well, you did this on purpose. Well, I didn't necessarily do it on purpose, right? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know you were around the corner, or I didn't know my dogs were going to run from this block to the next block, right? I, my, my goal was to shoot the deer before he got to you, um, but I didn't. I didn't. I mean, something happened, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think as a still hunter, you kind of have to understand that. 
But as a dog hunter, I think you have to understand, first off, if you shouldn't be, I mean, and again, I've been places where I shouldn't be, I'm not going to lie. Um, if the dog gets away, what, I mean, what are you supposed to do in a sense, right? Sure. Um, you got to get the dog. <laughs> you can't leave them. Um, some people would say, just leave him. Well, that's not always the case. You get, you need to go get them. Um, you don't want him to get hit and not necessarily for the dog's sake, but you could injure somebody. Um, if that's the case, um, driving the car and sometimes they just don't come out. Um, and they'll be a mile deep. Um, for me to walk through some of that sometimes, if there's a road, and again, if there's a trail, um, we'll usually try to walk, but some people don't. They'll drive, or maybe they're not capable of walking. And you say, well, how that's possible? How is that possible? They're dog hunting. But again, it's, it doesn't take the physical aspect necessarily for all of your hunting party to be in tip-top shape like if you were still hunting a mile deep right mm -hmm. like i said i can take my two-year-old and my four-year-old so if that's the case i can't necessarily take off and walk away from the truck either i've got two kids in the truck so i've got to drive or improvise to get the, the dog back um so i think that's one thing you, you kind of have to understand as a still hunter um and then as a dog hunter i think you you have to be courteous to the still hunter which and again i know it's, I'm sure it's, um, I guess, weighted one way more than the other. I'm sure most people understand what I mean by that, <laughs> is the dog hunter thinks they control more. And I don't necessarily know if that's the case, but that's the, the stigma that mm -hmm. people think. Um, but I think, because even in my aspect, from being on both sides, I don't necessarily control more, and I don't own more than you or, because, I mean, we own technically the same amount, right? It's right. public. We own it all. But I need more, if that makes sense. Sure. Your, I need your, more your, your activity done. Your activity by default covers more square acreage and, and, and reduces the carrying capacity of that land from a, from a how many hunters can be on the landscape standpoint. I, I, I get that. Yeah. So with that in mind, I think the still hunter – like I said, has to realize that. And if they want to pursue, like I said, I, I necessarily wouldn't like the block I showed you. Yep. And I think that's the block you're referencing when they tried to run you off. Yep. Um, I hunted that block because I knew the dog hunters would run deer in there and they won't necessarily run that block, right? Because mm -hmm. of the way the block is laid out and you can't cover all the sides. You can only cover two of them. And I think as a still hunter, you kind of have to look for those outliers i know you say that most of it's dog hunting and you're right most of it is classified as dog hunting area but there's plenty of areas that don't get ran as much or if at all by the dog hunters because of what it requires to hunt deer with dogs sure so i think if mo if the still hunters take that into account they would find more spots um, where they don't have to have interaction with the dog hunter not necessarily to stay away from the conflict, but to increase your advantages and odds in your favor. Because, again, I don't think when a dog hunter puts dogs in the block, your odds are going to increase. I think your odds will decrease significantly. Mm -hmm. um, so I think taking that, again, that's not, I guess that doesn't answer your question. I guess your question was how do you solve the conflict? And I guess a little in a roundabout way answers it, but. I think you just have to be courteous to both, right? We 
and I know everyone always says this, but the same dilemma with rifle hunter and bow hunter. Um, I, cause I see this more and more now than when I was younger is, Oh, well they can shoot them with a rifle. That's not fair. I shoot them with a bow. Well, you could have used a rifle as well. Right. Um, same thing. I mean, I guess you could run with dogs or understand that it's legal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess on both sides, it's legal for him to be in there still hunting, whether you like it or not. And it's legal for me to run dogs in that block, whether you like it or not. Now, if they're breaking the law, like I said, if they're, if they're being arrogant about it now, again, there may be some instances, like I just explained, you know, you have someone that can't necessarily walk a mile in there to get their dog. And there is this road that, again, if they shouldn't drive it, they should try to figure out, you know, all possibilities. And there's times I've, you may say, call crazy. I've left my t-shirt there on the ground and the dog be there the next morning because mm-hmm. I had to leave him. Um, that does work in most cases. Um, but like I said, in some cases they may be going to a highway and you're trying to prevent either your dog from getting hit or from something extreme happening. And I'm not telling, again, I don't want anyone to break the law, right? Um, but there are some circumstances where you may run into some dog hunters that aren't necessarily in their best state of mind, I guess to say, mm-hmm. and yep. trying to prevent something going on. Um, again, that wasn't the case with you. Uh, from what you've explained to me, they just didn't want you in there. Yeah. And I think when it comes to that, you either keep hunting it and they put up with it or you move. Right. Um, and I hate to say that, but it's the same way with a still hunter, right? I've been in the case where I've, Two still hunters were walking into the block, and they're, where are you going? I'm going right here. Well, that's where I was going. Well, you're going to have to move. Well, my tree stand's in there. Well, I don't I don't care. Right. I mean, I've, I've been on both scenarios. Sure. I've actually been at more still hunting than dog hunting, um, and most people would probably find that hard to believe. But I've definitely ran into my fair share. Well, I'm hunting on this road. Well, okay, that's fine. I just let me go get my tree stand, or someone will climb 50 yards from where I'm sitting, and I just flashed them three times with my flashlight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've, I've been in that predicament more with still hunters, but I think the best way to handle it, to just tell them, you know, that this, it's legal for you to be here and I don't mind you being here because if it's a dog hunting block and they're doing everything legal and I want to hunt this block is if I was a still hunter telling a dog hunter and I was telling me again, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but if I was telling someone did have a problem with it, that, you know, it's legal for both of us to be here. And I'm going to hunt this block. I got a good deer on camera. And, I mean, I don't know if I'd necessarily say that. Then they're <laughs> gonna that deer. But, you know, I want to hunt this block. Um, it's got some activity or some sign that I was looking for. And I'm going to try it out. Again, I don't think your odds are going to be very high in that mm-hmm. case. Um, if everything's legal. If everything, if they're doing something, you or, well, not you, but the still hunter or the dog hunter, um, if you're both illegal, then I don't know what to tell you, but if the dog hunter's illegal, um, I guess ask the scenario, make sure everything's okay on both sides. Like if you were doing something illegal, again, I wouldn't say illegal, but if you were doing something that didn't seem right, um, and just see, you know, what's going on. Can I help? I've seen dogs get in people's yards again. It wasn't on purpose. Mm. Um, and they'll go driving in a neighborhood again, which you're not supposed to do. So that's that's what I mean by illegal. Not something, you know, you're shooting does when you're not supposed sure. to or but you know, you're not supposed to go driving in a neighborhood 
well, the dog just ran through your backyard. I'm just trying to get him. Right. Um, but if you're a still hunter hunting the private property, you're going to be pretty upset. So, I, I mean, I think the best thing to do in that scenario is to ask, you know, what happened or how can we prevent this from happening? Um, you know, most, I'd say 95, I wouldn't go as high as 99 or 90% of most dog hunters try to avoid the, the conflict there. Um, you get some that just don't care. They just want to kill deer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if he's doing something illegal or doing something not pleasant, like, you know, running up and down the roads, um, doing donuts, trying to run you off, I would just talk to him and, you know, tell him that we're, we're both, we can both be here. And really to preserve your hunting, you need me. Um, you don't necessarily, when I mean that, the dog hunter needs a still hunter. The still hunter doesn't necessarily need the dog hunter. Right. right. Uh, the numbers are way lopsided. So and I think that would be the best approach to handle the conflict. And I think dog hunters need to realize that is that you need the still hunter because without the still hunters, even in Florida um, and the numbers, I don't, I guess I don't even know if they track the statistics of how many dog hunters are in Florida. I don't know. Them. Is there even a dog permit, a dog hunting permit? No, not yeah. on public land. There is on private land, surprisingly. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think, I think the dog hunter needs the still hunter. The still hunter doesn't need the dog hunter. Sure. If you want to keep dog hunting around, and if I want my kids to dog hunt, and I mean, I don't care if they're dog hunter or not. I, I just want them to hunt. Um, but if you want to keep it around, I mean, I think that would be the best thing to tell them, you know, is we can both be here legally. There's no point in trying to run me off. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to hunt here, and honestly, to keep hunting alive, and especially dog hunting, we have to be one. And I think that would be the best way to handle the conflict in that situation. Yeah. And again, if he's somewhere he shouldn't be or, um, you know, you see him trying to get a dog or something, maybe help him out. Um, right. I think that would be one thing instead of, you know, you hear it all the time, I've, and it happened this past year, people shoot dogs. Um, that's one thing to definitely just make the divide worse. Like we said earlier, most people don't look at a a hunting dog as your as your best friend, and in some cases they're not. Like again, I don't treat my hunting dogs like I treat my lab, right? My hunting right. dogs aren't in the house, um, but they're still part of the family, right? You you uh, you get close with them during the hunting season and training them, and some of these guys, you know, they've had them since they were puppies. So you shoot someone's dog, or and it happens. I mean, people think that doesn't happen. It does happen. People shoot them all the time. Mm-hmm. Still hunters private land owners which again i i can't say the private land if they're right or wrong the still hunter i would say is wrong if the dog's allowed to be there and i mean i don't think you should shoot a dog um the private land owner well i'll leave that to the legal system but um that definitely doesn't help the divide yeah i think you just people have to realize we need each other I, I tend to agree with you there because that's that's where things get murky for me. You know, the the answer the answer to the solution is where things get murky. But then also the fact that <clears throat> when you look at the advocacy that the dog hunters have for the hunting industry, not hunting industry, excuse me, the hunting community, there's a very clear disproportionate balance. I mean, I'm just going to give them credit where credit's due from the, all the reports that I have found recently when FWC has held wildlife meetings or 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 bear hunting meetings <clears throat> the the dog hunters have shown up in mass 
and uh, very few conservation organizations that once received money from me um, all did not and, and have not in quite some time, uh, despite having state chapters right here in Tallahassee. And so for me, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I spoke to you and my eyes were open a little bit to, you know, that there, there's more to this than just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll frankly say it. I used to be of the opinion that dog hunting was lazy and, and you've convinced me that it's not, you know, that it's, it's, it's not, you're not just sipping on your thermos waiting for the deer to come across the road that he comes across. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's any easier to kill a deer, um, per se. Um, but I used to have that real clear cut mindset and, and, and you get rid of dog hunters, you get rid of that advocacy. And while you're right, there probably are more still hunters than there are dog hunters. We've got to find a solution. And, and I mean, that solution has to be some kind grace provided to from both sides mutually. Because if you look at, you know, I understand it takes more space. I, I do understand that, and that makes sense. But there's 766,000 acres, uh, by rough estimate, of dog hunting area that you can, I'm sorry, of hunting area that allows for dogs, that you can hunt Monday through Sunday. And... When it comes to the still hunter, the vast majority of the land that we have in this area is only open Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So from my perspective, what I see is fewer hunters on the landscape that are able to dominate a landscape that, that don't make allowances for other still hunters to be on the landscape, and they get free reign seven days a week. Whereas there's more still hunters, fewer days to hunt, and thus they're all cramped on top of each other during that time frame. And I understand there are conditions that kind of influence that on, on both sides. If you have more deer hunters, you have to kind of limit the amount of, of space. Uh, I'm sorry, if you have more still hunters, you have to limit the amount of, you know, harvest on some of these smaller tracks. But it does seem a bit disproportionate to, to say, okay, we're going to surrender or try and avoid 760,000 acres of public land when, frankly, the only way to get away from people in general may be to utilize that because of the quota system in the state. I mean, if you if you're looking at it from a data perspective, and you know I do data for a living, but you're 100% correct, right? I mean, I I, I don't have a rebuttal for you if you're looking for one. Um, <laughs> on when it comes to the property, I mean, the only thing I could tell you, in a sense, and just knowing from what I know in this area specifically, the still hunt area, mm-hmm. even in the forest, is better area. Um, Honestly, other than, other than the, I mean, the, again, and then this is where I guess the only other, I guess a kind of a rebuttal that I have is because I used to argue the same thing. Oh, well, they get so many days and mm-hmm. you get so much time, but it's not dog season. I think that's what, and I don't, I didn't understand it either really. And it doesn't really click, but it's rifle season, right? Sure. And you're allowed to use dogs. And I think that's where people have to realize is that, and like you said, the dog hunters show up in numbers, and I think it's because of the the bond that they have, right? They, there could be a camp, and I don't know if most people know this, but in our forest, there's three public camps, and they are slammed full during dog season mm-hmm. of, of dog hunters. And it's all crews. I mean, there'll be 100, 200 people in one single camp. So it's, it's a tight-knit bunch, right? Um, you learn a lot when you start camping with people. No, there no power, just generators, no bathrooms. <laughs> um, there's no, there's nothing out there. So, and there's actually, I think there's more than three. I know there's four, and I know of there's probably more than that. There's and a bunch. So of them. they'll show up in numbers. Yeah. yeah, they'll show up in numbers when it when it means 
keeping their tradition alive. Sure. Um, but I think that to to answer to like rebuttal your question is to kind of cut dog hunting. You're going to have to cut if you wanted to cut it, or if you wanted to get more property, or whatever you may say. And I, I don't think you necessarily ever maybe cut down on the the property. Um, I think you'd have to cut down on the season, like most people. I think uh, what is it, Arkansas? Because I know quite a, a few people go to Arkansas with dog hunting every year. Mm-hmm. It's only two weeks there. Right. Um, I think you would cut down the rifle season. I don't think a lot of people want to do that, right? Still hunters included. You don't want to give away your rights, um, as some people would say. Now, maybe some will. Maybe, oh, we need to cut it down. And it would probably be someone that archery hunts. But if you have someone that strictly rifle hunts, they're going to say, no, don't do that. Sure. Um, I, I don't really have a rebuttal other than if you look at it from not a dog hunting perspective, but if you look at it from your perspective as a rifle hunter mm-hmm. in that time, um, you don't want to give away your days. Yeah. So you don't want to really necessarily cut down on the dog hunting. And then the land, I mean, again, I don't, I don't really know how to, to rebuttal your, your statement. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I think this is going to be an ongoing thing. I wasn't necessarily looking for like the one end all deal, but I mean, this conflict continues. Um, hunter numbers are going to continue to decline. Um, your dog hunters are under attack almost every year. I get, I get emails, uh, from the sportsman's Alliance where dog hunters are on the front line. They are the fringe group that PETA and a lot of other groups are going after both, both, both deer dog hunters and, and upland dog hunters. I think in Florida, there was a leash law that was introduced that, um, was going to say that if you're on public lands, you have to have your dogs on leash, which would effectively get rid of deer dog hunting. Um, and I know that was struck down. So I think I think there's, I think there is a mutual need between the two. I think your statement earlier I might push back on a little bit. I think both groups need each other equally because still hunters need a passionate group of people that are going to show up. And frankly, right now we just don't until it's too late or it's right on the brink. Whereas dog hunters are out there on the front line right now fighting to restore bear hunt, and still hunters are not. And I just I think that we're going to have to handle this ourselves, or it's going to become an untenable situation that um, somebody else is going to handle for us because there's just enough negative PR surrounding it from an outside perspective, and then enough internal strife that it, it is a worrisome thing for me. Because you're right, man. I'm it, just in this conversation, it does take more space to dog hunt, and I don't have a problem seeding that ground for a lack of better words and saying, listen, if dog hunters are going to be on the scene, they're going to end up requiring more land. And I think you touched on this. Some of these pieces of property, they kind of suck from a hunting standpoint. If you're still hunting, it's all, it's all super homogenous, t- uh, ter- um, terrain where there, there, there's not a whole lot of identifying funnels or pinch points and the deer could come from just about any direction. And I see the appeal of deer hunting those for that reason. Um, and I probably wouldn't still hunt them for that reason. Um, I, I just, I'd like to find a remedy and I don't think we're going to find it in this conversation, but I hope that my hope is that this dialogue will allow for there to be some movement of the needle where we can recognize and change the culture between the two groups. Yeah, I think, I think the remedy exists and it is, we need each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, that there's nothing else to it. I mean, in a sense, and I think people have to realize 
whether you want them in that spot or not, you need each other um, for this to work and for it to stay around. Um, I, I don't see, maybe I'm completely off topic or not off topic, but completely off here, but I don't see still hunting going away in my lifetime. I see dog hunting 100% going away in my lifetime. Um, Why do you say that? It's just a dying breed. I mm. don't see, there's not many crews that are my age running dogs. There's a few. I got plenty of friends from high school, right, um, that run dogs. Um, but there's not that many. I mean, you run into crews, and they're all 60-plus. Um, and there's quite a few of them. And, you know, they're going to not be able to hunt anymore. I think the younger generation, and this is a little personal belief here, um, a lot of people are, they just want the biggest deer, right? Mm-hmm. Well, dog hunters, most of them don't care. They don't do it for the size of the deer. And I know people say, oh, well, shoot, what makes you happy? Dog hunters really do. And just a quick story here. I took a buddy to Kentucky the first year we went, and he grew up dog hunting. He loves it. Eats, sleeps, and breeds dog hunting. And took him up there. He shot the first buck that walked by. And don't get me wrong, it was probably a 100-inch nine-pointer. I think it was a nine-pointer. I don't remember. Nice deer. I mean, deer was huge. We'd never been out of state. He'd never been out of state hunting in his life. I've been to Kentucky once, killed a doe, and that was it, late season. Um, Deer was just huge compared to deer here. And he didn't care. I mean, he he was tickled to death. He did not care. He'd already seen all the deer driving up, you know, the 140s, 150s you see on the side of the road. Um, we had, we'd went, not shining, but we went riding around because you can't shine in Kentucky, but we would ride around looking the roads because we were there a couple of days before we could hunt, and he didn't care. I mean, they there's so many of them, and I, they just don't do it for the size of the deer, and I think that a lot of people now, my generation, that don't necessarily – understand or do dog hunting do it for the the trophy aspect i think a lot more than people realize like even myself you know when i still hunt i don't necessarily i'm hunting because i enjoy hunting right i enjoy being outside and being but just we target a specific animal for the purpose of the chess match and the mature deer and i think that's where the new error I don't even know if I'd call it an error, but the new era of hunting, they want the most mature, not necessarily the biggest or whatever. Um, so even to who cares, it was a hundred inch nine point. He shot a two year old deer in Kentucky. He didn't even care. It was mature. He just, it was a great deer. It's huge. He walked by, he was shooting it. And I think that the new generation wants to shoot the biggest, maturest animal that they can, that they can harvest. Right. And I think that's why it will go away in my lifetime because dog hunters don't necessarily care. Yeah. It's a, awesome when you shoot a you know a mature five five plus or four four plus year old deer but when that two-year-old six point in florida runs by they don't they don't care they shoot him just as many they want to kill him or harvest him just as bad as they did the the four you know the four or five-year-old eight-pointer ten-pointer that runs by and i think that's why it will go away in my lifetime interesting that's not a perspective do you, do you i have no i I, I have to agree with you on that. I could see that as as a as a contributing force more so than than outside pressure. It could be internally that would just we've changed the what you're saying is we've changed the culture of big is better, and as a result, anything that doesn't allow you to pursue bigger 
efficiently is going to go by the wayside, right? Exactly. So yeah. if I can't, I can't, and I, and then this, like I said, this is the personal side. If I can't brag about it on Facebook, uh-huh. it's not good enough. Right. Right. If I can't post it on Instagram and get a hundred likes, it's not good enough. And I think that's where the older, and no, I'm not, I'm not saying that about all still hunters at all. I mean, don't get me wrong. I posted my pictures on, on social media. Yeah, right? I mean, um, I post deer. I killed, like I said, I killed 130 inch here in Florida. I was so excited. I had to post on Instagram. I wanted the whole world to see, right? Um, but again, I, I'm, I do it just as much as I think most people do. And I don't think some people realize this is our generation or the new generation is so fascinated about harvesting the most mature animal they can harvest. And you can't do that with dog hunting. You, you can't predict which deer is going to run out. And if you strictly, and some clubs do it now, there are some private, private clubs, you know, they, they mm-hmm. have rules and we have rules now in Florida too. We can only shoot if that's two on one side. Definitely doesn't make it mature. You can have, I've seen two-year-old eight-pointers in Florida. Uh, the racks are as big as your hands, but they got eight, ten points on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like you said, it's internal, and not necessarily internal, but external, right? Is external within the hunting community, ex- external of dog hunting, but internal of hunting is the the goal now. Instead of harvesting, you know, a great eight-pointer, you know, whether it was a hundred inches or 50 inches it's now oh i harvest a 100 inch eight pointer versus i harvested a 50 inch eight pointer right so i think like you said bigger is better and you necessarily if you did that dog hunting you would hunt years and years and years without harvesting mature buck he didn't get big by being stupid mm-hmm. like i mean that's pretty cliche of me to say but again he he didn't so he knows how to art, outsmart you and the dogs so you would hunt so so long and your odds are higher still hunting. Most people would probably disagree with me, but maybe not after this. Just listening to this, <laughs> I kill more deer. I kill more deer still hunting than I do dog hunting. And most people would probably call me crazy or just say I suck at dog hunting, which maybe I'm not the best. I'm, I'm, I know I'm not the best. I miss them. Um, but still hunting is just. I think if you, if someone did both, I could. I'd bet I'd be a betting man to say that they are better at still hunting and still hunting, not better, but still hunting is easier uh, at harvesting a mature, at harvesting a mature animal. Still hunting is easier at targeting a specific single deer. I, like I said, I, I can target deer but at targeting that mature specific animal. Still hunting is easier. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. You've given me a lot to think on, man. I think, um, I don't know that, that last, that last bit there kind of makes me wonder if there's, much we can do to heal the divide before uh, one side just kind of goes by the wayside altogether. Maybe we need to start a, a slogan of just the, you know, some kind of slaughter them all mindset. We need to reverse the big buck mindset, and we'll just we'll just start shooting everything immature as possible, and that'll. Maybe, I maybe. don't think that needs to be the case. I think. It needs to be the case of, <laughs> um, and again, it's what everyone else says: shoot what makes you happy. Sure. Right? It's, I mean, that's, that's I why think, it's I, I think everybody says that, but I don't think they really mean it. I think it's kind of like a – I think we need to start actually meaning it because I, I see a lot of people where it's like, shoot what you want to, and then you see a little further. It's like, but, you know, eight, two more years, you would have had a giant. You know, it almost it almost like when someone says, bless your heart. Well, they, they really yeah. ain't saying a prayer for you. They're, they're really just calling you stupid. You know, like yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I, I kind of wonder if that didn't kind of – was I'd like to see it get back to that because I'm unabashedly uh, a meat hunter. 
Don't get me wrong. I, I get a big buck on camera. I get excited. But there's no one who knows me that thinks I'm holding out for a big deer anytime soon. If it walks out and it's legal, it's going to die. That is just me. That is who I am. I like to kill things. I like to eat them. And maybe one day I'll change, but I sincerely doubt it. And I'd say you're the minority. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You are the minority of the still hunting world. Because oh, I even am. when I'm yeah. still hunter, I switch mindsets. And again, that might be crazy. When I still hunt, I'm not a meat hunter. Yeah. When I dog hunt, I'm a meat hunter. Sure. And that may sound crazy, but we well, kind of have to hunt what's there the too. The I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Ch- Chase, what are you thinking, man? We're coming up on time, and I've done all the talking. <laughs> the only thing that kind of piggyback off of him just saying people wanting to kill mature deer and things like that and we kind of discussed this a little bit earlier i don't know the still hunters are going to fight for the dog hunters if they're if the dog hunters ever come up for attack i know plenty of guys that would not go fight for dog hunters like they are they already have a bad taste in their mouth for them or just don't want people dog hunting uh, in general so I don't know that uh, the still hunters, which we think have bigger numbers, would back up the dog hunters to, to keep it around if, the, if they ever did come under attack to where they weren't going to allow it anymore. To comment on that, though, I think the dog hunter would back the still hunter. Oh, 100%. I think deep down, yeah. they know, like, I know I need still hunting. I yep. need still hunters. Because if not, my sport will die. Well, if they're, and, yeah, they're yeah, the minority. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not questioning the dog hunter. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, my question is, I, I know plenty of people that probably wouldn't back dog hunting. <laughs> and do you think it's strictly because there's a bad taste in their mouth, or do you think it's because of what I just said in the last point? And I know you're supposed to be asking me the questions, but because yeah, I'm yeah. Hunter, I mean, I had the the mindset I want to kill the biggest buck that's in the woods. I mean, that's right. my mindset when I'm a still hunter, and I can't do that with dog. I I don't think I could personally do that. Now, some people probably could. Um, I don't think I personally do that in a dog hunting area. So it, I would be, I would, if I was a still hunter, I'd, I don't think I wouldn't fight for, fight for them because I dislike the people or I dislike the sport to say, I almost wouldn't back them if, if I, if I was strictly back in my still hunting mind, just because I had this argument, um, I wouldn't back them because I want to kill the biggest buck. It's greed, right? In a sense, yeah. it's greediness. There'll be more mature bucks if yeah. dog hunters aren't shooting the deer that's every deer that steps out that's legal. I mean, yeah, you, that's probably what they're going to think. Like, I know a lot of people think that dog hunters have the brown it's down type mentality are legal now, <laughs> whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, and I know some guys that, like I said, are dog hunters and try to still hunt, but can't like they just they can't sit still in the woods and that they prefer the camaraderie uh, of the dog hunting. And then when they do go out, they shoot the first thing that steps out in front of them um, because that's how they've always done it. Um, so uh, I don't know. I don't have a problem. I personally don't have a problem with dog hunters. Um, the only issues I would have is if I'm hunting in an area that dog hunters are in and I shoot a deer because their dogs were running it, them getting upset. Hey, it's all public land. I'm here. You're here. Um, the, the deer just happened to run out in front of me. I mean, dog hunters just have to chalk that up to that's doing business, um, type deal. And the same thing with, uh, dog hunters. I don't have a problem with them coming and getting their dogs off of areas they're not supposed to be. I just don't, I don't expect them to be running those or using those areas uh, because they think no one's going to care type deal. Those are my only two little issues with, uh, uh, dog hunting, but I don't have any problem. 
uh, with dog hunters is or still hunters as long as everybody's following the rules yeah and doing what they're supposed to i don't care hey we're it's like you said it's all public land and it's legal then by all means do it yeah well and i think i think also courtesy component of this as well right like if you run if you run dogs and they make it make it onto private land if if you can't prevent that in the future, reasonably speaking, right? Like if there's not a road that easily allows you to get to those to the, to that private or to intersect them, and you continue to run that block, you're you're not passing on the same courtesy that you want to be extended, right? You're you're running that risk, and I think I, I think if if still hunters, it may be up to still hunters to extend the olive branch of grace. And, and try and set the tone since since Roberts made a good point. We are in the numbers. We could we could help influence that that change. But Robert asked to answer your question earlier. I, I don't think it comes down to antler envy. I, I think it I think it comes down to uh, the most the most burnt out or disenfranchised people tend to talk the most, and dog hunters tend to rub still hunters in a unique way, and they talk and then. Unfortunately, we live in a society where somebody says something and it just becomes fact, right? Uh, I, Robert Robert ran dogs. I'm a private land. Damn dog hunters, and it just becomes this bigger thing than perhaps it really was. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, again, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've had dogs run through people's backyards completely on accident. I mean, that wasn't my intention by any means. Um, and I've had them getting blocks where nec- where I can't cut them off. Um, so I've got to go get them. Like I said, it's not, I, I bet if, if most people would ask or try to evaluate the situation, it's not on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think a lot of people realize that, that, oh, well you, you let them go here. Well, I didn't necessarily let them go here. I let them go, you know, like I said, it takes more area. I let them go three roads over and it just so happens, you know, they were going so fast by the time I got sure. around to this one. And it happens. I mean, they get across the road before you get over there. We're only, I mean, on some days there's four of us and we can't get around there in time. They're, they're went completely opposite of what we thought was gone. And they're ne- across the next two blocks. And by the time I get around there, they're either not, not necessarily, they've run across private land maybe, or sure. If that's the case. I mean, most of the time that's not the case on where I, where we hunt. Um, but they could get into somewhere that, like I said, they, they shouldn't be. And we try to stop them. You know, you shock them or, you know, you train them their tone. You blow the horn. I mean, usually you blow the horn, they'll stop. Most dog hunters have all that set up, but sometimes they just don't. They just don't listen to you. I mean, we all had a dog, right? You don't want it to run away, but most of the time, some, your dog runs away once in his <laughs> life, right? It gets out. Oh, it shouldn't have done that. It went over there in the neighbor's yard, but right. it did. Right. It's, it's still an animal. Um, so I think yeah. that aspect is still hard to control. Now, if they're doing it blatantly and obviously, then yeah, I, I mean, you could have an. I see where the issue is for sure, and I see why still hunters get upset, and then dog hunters, you know, think it's some. Some dog hunters think it's theirs. They've been hunting it for fifty years. Like I said, this is an older generation. Yes. Um, yes. The idea so, of public land being—I mean, their generation didn't have I mean, to deal with the pressure that ours does on public land. Private land is more easily abundant. Public land was kind of find an empty, quiet spot, and it's pretty much your own little preserve. And unfortunately, that's just not the case anymore. That's not the case. Um, It has gained popularity in a sense. And I don't know if it's necessarily gained popularity or, you know, acres are down or or restrictions or whatever. Um, 
but yeah, there's more uh, more uh, people sure. in the in a concentrated location now, sure. and they just can't have it their way. So, as what they used to, and I, I mean, it's this is even for still hunters in right. some aspects. Oh, I used to still hunt that block, and now I can't, but I'm gonna do it anyways. That's it. That's not as often, but I do see it. Yep. So. Well, Robert, we've come up on time, man. I appreciate you uh, coming on and, and, and braving this because I am certain we're going to get some mail on this one. If we don't, I'll be blown away. But, um, you know, you, you've extended an invite for me to go dog hunting, and I'm going to take you up on that this year. So um, if you find time and find space, I'd like to go. I'd like to, to see what it's like and, and make sure that when I speak badly about you, I'm doing it uh, the right way. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're more than welcome i'll always have i will go and you can ride shotgun i yeah, might man. even let you drive i i, I just want <laughs> i just want to i want to take it all in i just want to see the whole experience but um got a couple of quota hunts that uh got your name on them on a wma that no one will know what we're talking about because i'm gonna just put a little wild turkey over that one but uh you're welcome to come come hunt them with me um yeah, hopefully, man. hopefully we can get up this year, and your school won't hold you back too much. But I appreciate you taking the time, dude. Yeah, man, it was fun. So. All right, man. Well, hang on one second, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a little bit different. I feel like I say that every episode, but I feel like every episode is a little bit different. And this one is definitely one we've not done before. And I have a feeling we're not done talking about this topic. I can I can sense that somehow there's going to be perspective shared or something like that. And the next time we're going to do something like this, next time we have Robert on the podcast, it's going to be round table. We're all going to be sitting around drinking ice cold colas and Coke Zeros and, and, and swapping stories from deer season at a bare minimum. So... Until that time, you guys get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.